So today's a little bit different, which is really exciting. Uh, Bo called me about a month ago and let me know he was going to be in town and said, yeah, I'm just going to come visit. And I said, you know, why not come and share with us and uh, hear, hear from you. Maybe we could do like a, a co-preaching thing. Maybe we could like each choose a random Bible verse for each other and riff on it for a couple, you know, have a preach off or something, you know. Uh, what we ended up settling on, yeah, it seemed like a good idea to me, but we didn't have the spotlights and all the things you'd need for that. Uh, maybe in the future. But what, what we settled on was, you know, when, when the church was planted, very shortly after that time, Bo became senior pastor, very shortly, uh, in, in 97. He was here for 11 years. And the vision that God gave him for the church of upward, inward, outward, connecting to God, letting God love you and transform you, and then going outward to serve the world was, uh, was just the, bi- the big thing for us. And though many things have changed over the last nine, ten years since Bo uh, moved on to his next assignment, that has stayed the same for us. It's something that we believe in, uh, something that we've kind of put all, our, all, all of our uh, chips on the table for, and it's something that we want to talk about today. So Bo's going to share a little bit uh, in, in the, the macro view. I'm going to go to the micro view. Uh, but we hope that after you leave today, you'll have kind of a, a fresh shot in the arm of vision for what God is doing, how to connect with God, and, and appreciation for, uh, for the church. So I'd like to welcome Bo. Thank you. Good to have you, man. I want to thank uh, Nathan and the leadership of the church. Uh, always a little risky to uh, try and go home again, which you can never do. But it is so good uh, to be here. If you have a Bible, I want to read uh, from Mark chapter 12. If you're using one of the Bibles that's in the sanctuary here, it's page 825. We're going to be on eight, page 824. I just want to, Pastor Nathan read uh, this passage earlier. He alluded to it, but I just want to touch base on it again and catch what Jesus is doing here. For those of you who don't know Jesus, one of the things you're going to find as you get to know him is that he's always taking it up a notch. So when somebody will ask him a question, uh, he'll answer what probably would have been the upper view of what they thought was acceptable, and then he'll double up. You know, a lot of times people double down. Jesus doubles up. So he'll say, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, don't look at someone lustfully. Right? He'll say, you've heard it said, But then he goes beyond their expectation, which would have been love your neighbor. And he says, love your enemy. It's impossible. I barely like my neighbor. Right? So Jesus takes what would have been their previous upper limit and he doubles it. So he does the same thing here. So we're in Mark chapter 12, beginning of verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all of the commandments, which is the most important? So this guy's looking for one answer. And Jesus says, the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel. This is the great Shema, it gets called. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. The second is... Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and that there is no one but him. 
to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and all your, your neighbor as yourself is the most important than the burnt, more important than the burnt offerings and sacrifices. So when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to them, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one asked him any more questions. Which often happened with Jesus. Somebody thought they were going to get him. They were going to trap him in an aha, gotcha kind of a scenario. And then he would answer in such a way like they would say, they would ask him questions like, how many times do you need to forgive somebody? And then he would say, there once was a man. And they're like, that's not a number. I need a number. Seven? Seventy. I mean, 70 was like their upper limit, right? And then Jesus is like, 70 times 7. 490. So the answer is 490? Am I doing my math right? No, you're missing the point. Beyond what you can forgive, live in that way. Be that way in the world. So Jesus is always doing this. But there's something really interesting in this passage. The guy asks for one. Jesus gives him two. What's the greatest? What is the one greatest? These two things. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? And for us, we'd be like, Jesus, I see what you did there. Guy asked for one, you gave him two. And that's normally where we stop. But if you look at what's embedded in the broadcast, there are three loves. The guy asks for one, Jesus gives him two, and embedded within the answer is three. There are three loves. Love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself. Jesus is tricky. He's always messing with people's expectations. What's the one thing? I'll, I'll tell you what it is. It's these two things. Also, there's three things tucked in there. <laughs> Hold on, professor. I'm going to have to unpack this for a while. Jesus is always taking it up a notch. So it was out of this passage that we uh, spent some time as a church leadership, and we figured out that really what we wanted to do is we wanted to go these three directions at the same time, upward, inward, outward. But the more we explored this in community, the more we figured out you can't go all three directions at the same time. You can't go north and west and east all at the same time. So you, gotta, you, you have to sequence it. So this became a really prayerful pattern for us. And one of the things that came out of it is that we decided there was definitely a priority. There was a sequence. You had to go upward. Because where else were you going to get the good stuff? Like, how are you going to be resourced? So you had to go upward. You had to connect with God. And then that needed to do something in you. Because otherwise, when you went out into the world, you'd take all of your junk and agenda and unprocessed stuff, and you'd be like projecting that on other people. So you had, to, you had to let that goodness work in you. And then you had to go outward. Because if you didn't go outward, it was like a stagnant pond, and that we were to be pipes, not buckets. Right? It had to move through us. And the thing that we learned about God in that season is that God never holds out or runs out. There's always more coming. We, as a people of grace, can afford to be the most gracious people in the world because there's always more grace coming. God never holds out, and God never runs out. Be the most gracious person you know. 
because there's more grace coming. I just got grace all day. I got grace all day. I got cans of grace I can just open up. Be the most gracious person you know. You'll never outgrace God. So, this sequence of inward, upward, outward, it must be all three, and it must be in that order, became kind of a mantra for us. And so we lived in that for a while, and it was an amazing season. So I felt called to go to seminary because I wanted to be a professor to train the next generation of women and men for ministry. That's what God really laid on my heart. So I decided to move out to Portland. I had found this seminary that was doing some innovative stuff, and I moved out there. So in the 10 years that I've been gone, this thing, inward, upward, outward, has actually expanded quite a bit because in all of my travels, and now I get to go to other countries and do a lot of fun stuff around the country, one of the things I have found is that there are three primary kinds of churches. Churches that prioritize the upward, churches that prioritize the inward, and churches that prioritize the outward. And it became like a fascinating thing to keep track of because the pattern that developed is that for every one of these churches, they usually had a primary, and there was a definite pattern about what was the secondary for each of those primary emphasis, right? But here's where it gets really weird. There's always one that seems to be neglected. And so as I've traveled, as I've run this past people, I've worked this through with other pastors and other denominational leaders, one of the things we're finding is that churches that are primarily upward, so I would say the litmus test for this is if you believe in intercessory prayer, okay, and you believe in a second coming, right? If those are the two primary things of churches that fit this category, and I call it messianic, but for today we'll call it upward, usually the inward is the next, is your secondary, right? And it like resources your primary, but what gets neglected is the outward. It's a really actually scary pattern that I found. And it's sad that churches that are so good at connecting with God and praise and worship and bringing people into the presence of God, and that does great things in their lives, right? Helps them be people of character and people of integrity. And sometimes that's where it stops. And it doesn't turn then to this world that, and by the way, we know that God loves the world. We have a really good authority. <laughs> that God loves this world so much. And so if we connect with God and it does its work in us, and then we don't take that out to the world that God loves so much, it starts to get a little stagnant. In the same way that churches that are primarily inward focused, I call this therapeutic, that they are, are primarily about the internal work, it usually seems that their secondary is the outward, that they're very concerned about like people's development and then they go and do something with it. But what is often neglected by churches like that is they lose the idea that there's more coming, right? The upward seems to be neglected. It's all about you and what you do and God kind of moves to the background. In the same way, churches that are primarily focused on the outward, working in the world for God's heart for justice, often have an upward focus, right? It's why they're working so hard. 
But what gets neglected is the inward. And so you have justice warriors that are worn out and burnt out and depleted and discouraged. And we find this all across the country and now all around the world. And it's an amazing thing because this formula, if you want to call it that, that we've come up with was upward, inward, outward. It must be all three. It must be in that order, the sequence. So it turns out that that's not only a communal experience, right, of life together as a congregation, but in a much broader sense that churches across the country and around the world now are figuring out that you have to have all three for it to be mutually uh, enriching and informing because otherwise they've developed some pretty serious problems. That you can grow a church worship service pretty big and even have people of character, but if you don't care for the real felt needs of your community, there's a stagnation, a dryness that sets in. And you think like, we're singing the same songs that used to mean so much, and they just don't mean as much anymore, right? And that's a really dangerous thing. For churches that do good work in people, help them be the best versions of themselves, and even do good work out in the world. But if God falls back into the background, people forget why they're doing all the good work. You can't, you can't lose sight of the fact that we are a part of God's big family. We're all children that have been adopted into the big family. And in the same way, churches that are primarily focused on changing the, the unjust and hurtful systems of this world and the hope that God is coming to fix things and bring the world to rights. But if we don't take care of our own stuff, then we start to become depleted and discouraged and worn out and burned out. And we're so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good is the saying. So I don't know if that has been something that you have experienced any one of those seasons, but I find it amazing that what started out of a little conversation in a small group of us uh, in the, the shadow of the Adirondacks 15 years ago has become something that as I get to travel and as I talk with other leaders is an overall pattern that I think could actually be a ministry to the broader church so that life and health and ministry all inform each other in a way that allows us to be whole, right? In a holy sense, that there's integrity. That's the integer, that we're not fractioned up. Part of us is for this and part of us is for this, that that's with integrity. And also powerful, that the way we take care of the world around us so that more and more people get to hear about God's amazing grace. And that's like, it's funny to me that it has expanded and uh, I'm actually figuring out how we're going to do this and how we're gonna work with different church leaders to bring about this, um, I mean, what started is like a really simple little kind of a cliche or a, like a saying, but that it seems to have staying power and it seems to really um, resonate with people's experiences and even broader church groups. So I just wanted to bring you that update and say, you know, sometimes things start really small, like mustard seeds, and then they get a little bigger. 
And so I just wanted to report back to you that what is a fruit that's developing out there is rooted here. And so I just want to say, keep hope alive. Keep hope alive. So Nate, let's talk about it on a smaller scale. Yeah. Do I, I have to leave the stage no, when you no, talk? No, no, stay, stay over there, you know. Right. I need you can to, I drink water while you're talking? Yeah, yeah right. you can do that. Very dry. I told you it'd be a little different. <laughs> yeah, I'm like a pretzel. These pretzels are making me thirsty. It's like sriracha pretzels yeah. here. Yeah. Um, one of the things I thought about when you were sharing is how, you know, over the, over the years, and especially being a part of a local church like this, you, you begin to see the truth of what Paul said when, like, we're one body with many parts, many members. And, like, people in this church are really different from each other in every way imaginable, which I love. I love the different backgrounds, the different things people bring in, cultures, uh, practices. It's very interesting. And, uh, you know, on, on a surface level, level, you know, we tend to congregate with people that are like us, and maybe they're kind of like our, our group, and we kind of identify with them, and they're, they're our tribe, they're our people. Uh, but what God wants to do is bring together our diverse body in the local church of people with, very, with different gifts, different temperaments, different talents, different demeanors, ways of doing things, uh, just different thoughts, different type of relationship with God, and, and make this unified body that's very diverse, but is unified and shows his glory. And, you know, one of the things Jesus prayed was that they would be one, you know? That's what he said before he went to, uh, his, to his final mission at the cross. And he prayed for that unity in the midst of diversity. And in the local church, I see that here. And I know it's diverse because I look at your Facebook feeds. And so, like, <laughs> it's really... You know, it's just so interesting to see people with so many different perspectives and, look, and ways of looking at the world. And you got the compassion people, you got the justice people, you got, you got everything. Mm-hmm. But it's also true, and I, I think I'm, hope I'm not stretching scripture here at all, but, you know, as far as the worldwide church, yes, there can be churches that have, you know, deficiencies and upward, inward, outward, and they get unhealthy. But also, it's amazing what God does with individual congregations, like the mission he puts them on. And then when you look at, if you like zoom out, like a God's eye view, you look down and you see one body on earth, many members. Like you have people, you have churches that do such good work with the inner life, you know, and walking with the Holy Spirit. Churches that do such good work with, with teaching, such good work with justice, and God's using all of them. And often the thing that we forget is there's, we've received so much grace from God, the undeserved favor of God, um, for, you know, forgiveness, love, and he gives us so much room to fail and to grow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he gives that same amount to everybody else. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, growing to appreciate the, the worldwide church and, and even the people in your local church is such an important thing, you know? Mm. So that's something that came to mind. One of the things that uh, we're finding is, like, if, if, if possible, what's best is to try, right, and have all three as yourself. But some of us, you know, we're not maybe that well-rounded of people, or maybe we're, we don't even live up to our own best, best expectations, right? Like, I don't always do the things I want to do, and I don't know about you, but I sometimes do things I don't want to do. It doesn't sound biblical at okay. all. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so one of the things we're finding is that you can do, you really, there's one of two things. You can either Put yourself in a place to challenge yourself to do something that is outside your comfort zone, mm-hmm. right? And in that way, 
to say like, I know that this is the one that's getting neglected or yeah. that's underdeveloped, and I want to challenge myself to bring that one up so that it's not dragging down the others. Yeah. Right? That's one way to do it. But the other way to do it is in friendship and partnership, which is to put yourself in a covenant relationship with somebody who is a little different than you. And so, for instance, in, in my life, I'm an inward-outward person. That's what comes naturally to me. The upward is probably the thing I struggle with more than anything. So I put myself around people who are either upward-inward people or upward-outward people, right? Because, like in our friendship, you know, we'll talk for a really long time, and then you'll remind me, hey, the Lord is in this. Like, you'll pull my eyes upward, right? Mm -hmm. And without that, I could walk away saying, that was good for me, and I'm going to go do something with it. And you remind me of the upward. So when we partner together, because we need each other as the body, and so that's one level that's interesting. But another way is for a whole church to partner with another church that is built in a different way. Mm -hmm. And in that partnership to say, if you're an upward, inward congregation, to partner with an outward congregation and join what they're doing and then right, have that, that synergy of working together. And, um, and so that's just one of those things to keep in mind that if there's an area, either as a person or as a congregation, where you're a little deficient, it, you either need to be really intentional to try and bring that up so it's not dragging down the others. Or, if that doesn't work, you can partner with somebody else who's built a little different than you. Yeah. And that's kind of like the, the goal of spiritual discipline, right? To do something yeah. Yeah. outside of your comfort zone, to... to Stop eating food for a while to draw near to God. You know, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. So you hang out with someone who's Well, I've never done that. But I've heard well, people do that. I'm, a, I'm, I'm just finishing up my 50-day fast now. Oh. So, so um, yeah. the provision of the Lord yeah. is No, I've heard immense. fasting is really <laughs> yeah. spiritual. I've heard fasting is really spiritual. I've heard that too. Yeah. yeah. And I but, just trust my sisters and brothers who tell me that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, um, it all comes down to... To faith. I mean, I think you have, you have to bust out sometimes of what is most comfortable to you in order to find where God is working. So if you are really uncomfortable, you know, talking to people that you don't know about anything or even just talking about faith at all, you know, doing that is very exhilarating for someone like, like oh my gosh, this is crazy. But, you know, we, we tend to get so stagnant when we stop doing those things that are challenging to us. So when we dream about our life, um, one of the things, and this is going to be an upward, one of the things to remember is when you dream about your life, that's not an inward. Because sometimes we mistake which falls in which category. So I just want to tell you this in case you have never heard this or maybe have forgotten this. When you dream about your life, it's not an inward. It's an upward and an outward. We put it in the wrong category. And the reason that's important is God has a dream for you you haven't even dreamed for yourself yet. God wants to sing a song through you you don't even know the words to. So you need upward people in your life to remind you this is not all about you. And ultimately, if you had the ability to make this dream from scratch, you'd have already done it. If you can come up with a dream for your life, you'd have already done it. No, it's an upward. God has a dream for you. 
you have not dreamed for yourself yet. God wants to sing a song through you you don't even know the words to. Your life is music to God's ears. It's an upward. Dreaming is an upward. But it's also an outward. Because your friends and your church community can sometimes see things in you you can't see in yourself yet. And they can actually call the best out of you. And they can actually say words over you that create an imagination in you where you can see yourself being a different way. So it's a bizarre thing that in our world we put dreaming in an inward. Mistakenly, I think, because actually it's an upward and an outward. In fact, when I spend too much time in myself dreaming about myself, it never goes well. <laughs> it ends up being kind of a roundabout cul-de-sac and I just end up in basically in the same place I started. And I think, well, that was a lot of energy for no movement. <laughs> well, you're living up to my dreams for you, so <laughs> that's all that matters. But it's just important to have people in your life who speak into you how they see you and call out of you the best of what you can be. So I found this really interesting thing. There was this philosopher I liked in the 20th century and he called uh, the mirror, like the mirror in your home, he called it a placeless place. A place where you saw yourself, but you were not. I can see myself in the mirror, but I'm not in the mirror, right? It's a placeless place. And I'm developing this thing about how the church can be a placeless place. A place where I see my true self, but I am not. I actually need you, I need you, to see who I truly am. Without you, I can't know myself fully. So the church is a placeless place, a place where I see myself in ways I am not. And in that, we see, we reflect, right? As a mirror, we reflect the image of God to each other, the Imago Dei. Mm -hmm. And I see God in you in ways I can't see in myself. And I see God when we serve together Right? I see God move in ways I can't in a worship service. So part of understanding the power of community is that I actually need you to be who I'm going to be. I can't become fully me without you. I need to see God in you in a way I can't when I'm by myself. Mm -hmm. Faith is not a solo activity. Yeah. It's a communal participation. It's a communal practice. And in that sense by being together and sharing life together and walking in faith together, I actually become who I cannot be without you. I need you. And it's only in your eyes that I truly see who I am. And in that sense, dreaming is an outward activity. Mm -hmm. Oddly, it's like a paradox. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm so good about seeing what God's doing in someone else's life. Yes, but when you you're are. going through suff personal suffering yeah. of any kind, it becomes very hard to see what's <laughs> yeah. going on. But yeah. you know, that's why we need, that is why we need each other. Yeah. You, know? you're, you are fantastic. You hear somebody's story and they are, are, they're actually, they think they're telling a lament. Like, and, and the end of the story is, <laughs> right, that's, I'm, like, that's the bad end of the story and it doesn't get any better. The end, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Right? And you go, oh my gosh, 
do you see what God might want to do with this? And then people are like, no. <laughs> and then you speak into that place and actually pull out of them possibilities they couldn't see when they were sitting in their own Right? That, and that's an amazing thing. It's why we need each other. Mm -hmm. So, the one thing I would say is that upward, inward, outward, it must be all three, it must be in that order, was right. It just wasn't complete. Because what I didn't know is that you can't do this on your own. Mm -hmm. This is not a solo activity. Mm -hmm. This is not an independent adventure. We need each other for this. Amen. Yeah. That's a good word. One thing that, uh, it's just amazing sometimes how God works, but me and Bo didn't talk about what we were doing to prepare. We ended up choosing the same scripture for our sermons, and those are actually my slides that he used. This is a true story. This is actually a true story. He told me this morning, hey, you know, um, I'm going to preach from Mark 12. Uh, uh, do you think we get those in the slides? I'm like, it's already in there. That's what I was going to preach on, so, you know. If he's lying, he's dying. This actually happened. It actually happened. Yeah. But it's, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing how God works. And I think that uh, some, something a friend reminded me of today, I got a text message from someone, uh, of, of another pastor I know, and he said to me, I just felt very impressed this morning when I was praying, God spoke to me, and he said, don't miss the glory of God in the people of your church. He said, just don't, don't miss it. And that got me, got me thinking about, uh, about the church, and something I learned a while back from Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, uh, it says, and God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The church is the glory of God. And, and it's really hard to, to think about yourself that way, that you are God's glory. But think about the love of God, that he, uh, he has such a stake in your life, whether you know it or not or feel it or not. Like, God has invested everything into you, his glory. It's like, you know, think about someone that has a hobby. You know, they invest so much money and time into that hobby. Some of us musicians, like Matt, right? Gear guy, guitars, pedals. We invest so much money and time into polishing our stuff, and, and we'll make sacrifices for those things that are closest to our heart. Well, the church is closest to God's heart, the people of this world, the world, the cosmos, the whole world, like you alluded to earlier, that Jesus came to save. And, and he has given everything for the church, which is his glory, the glory of him who fills everything in every way. Um, the love of God is so immense. And when I, when I look at uh, upward, you're going to say something. No, <laughs> he's reaching gonna, for the mic. I was going to ask if, when, when we pray at the end to close, if I can pray. Absolutely. Okay, great. After I'm done praying? Yeah. No. After you're done. <laughs> <laughs> How about ba a battling benediction? No. You do the benediction. I'll close the, ser the sermon part in prayer. I'm doing the threefold amen. Oh, I'm doing a threefold prayer too. I'm doing a fourfold Twinsies. prayer. <laughs> we are such good friends. <laughs> We're both Trinitarians. Yeah, all yeah. three of us. Oh, yeah, yeah, all three of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is so fun. This is so fun. Okay. I actually have a banjo in my office. Everyone that knows me knows that. Um, anyway, that's all I got. No, I, I, uh, when it comes to the love of God, the great love of God, this is, 
You know, sometimes with Upward, we talk about connect on the, on the individual level in our church. You know, we strive to be a church that does Upward, Inward, Outward well. It's very important to us. We think about it all the time, the elders, the leadership, myself. So we try to provide atmospheres where we can connect with God. We try to provide small groups in different places that are more intimate where we can, you know, really go inward with those, the mirrors around us, our, our, our people, our tribe. And then we try to create these opportunities to go outward and reach out to the community. But uh, when talking about upward, inward, outward in a more micro, like devotional way, you know, this is describing a way of life with God, a comprehensive way of life with God. You know, Jesus said, um, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you look at those words, that's your whole life. That's your will. That's your emotions. That's your, that's your body. Every part of you mm. to love God. Uh, and that's what we're talking about when, when we talk about uh, upward. You know, loving God well. Loving God with everything that makes us who we are. And uh, e- even those parts of us that we'd rather not show, to, to show those to God mm. and, to other, and, to, and to, through showing them to other people, to show God through that. And, you know, God, God has made us such tactile people. You know, it's fallen out of favor in, in uh, Protestant church, like confession. But that's a powerful thing, man, to confess your sins to another person, your shortcomings. We've done that. Uh, it's a powerful thing. It's be- easier to just, for me to confess them inside. <laughs> yeah. Like, Lord, you know what I've done. Amen. <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> Yes, uh, that, that is easier. I agree. There's something really powerful about the tactile, our, 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 like what you can see, touch, hear, and smell. Uh, th- this, this verse from 1 John, it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. Mm and the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from our sins. That's a powerful and surprising verse when you think about it, because you'd think that it would say, if we walk in the light, meaning what's in the darkened recesses of our soul is, is exposed, um, we walk in that way. As God is, it walks in that way. We will have fellowship with God, and the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from our sins. But it says, we will have fellowship with one another. And it's such a powerful concept, like when we expose who we really are, you know, even, even the bad stuff to another person. In this, in this way that God has created us, uh, just to experience life, we experience God. Someone can, tell, uh, can hear our, our shortcomings and sins and problems and tell us, you know, God loves you, God forgives you. And we can feel that in a deeper place than we ever could if we just kept that inside and, and, and ignored the, the mirror. That's another paradox. If I walk in the light, which is an upward, then I'm connected to my sisters and brothers, outward. Right. Uh-oh. Yeah. Jesus is being tricky again. It's happening. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll never forget, you know, the times of explosive spiritual growth in my life were the times when I laid bare my soul to another human being. Hmm. Those are the times I've grown. And the times I start to be uh, just walking on my own and talking to myself, or just skip that, just not talking to anybody, including God. Those are the times when things go really bad. Mm. So it's just amazing that how God's created us for that community to do upward, inward, outward in community. And it's, it's even worked into the scriptures here. But uh, when, when thinking about upward, we talk about spending time with God. We talk about worshiping, praying, 
reading the Bible. And these things are all great things. But sometimes the way people talk about it makes it sound rather like a chore. <laughs> like, why are we doing this? This, take, this is a lot of effort and all these kinds of things. But uh, the, the thing that's so striking to me about, about, uh, connect, about loving God well, this upward, is that what we receive from God when we go upward is something we cannot get anywhere else. There's no human being or thing that you can connect with that can give you what God gives you. If you don't connect with God, you can't go inward and you can't go outward really. You really can't. The love of God uh, is so great. There's this old song that says, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hill. The love of God is so immense, it's like nothing we've ever experienced. I mean, this is the God who loved his enemies, who loved the people that were crucifying him and asked God to forgive them when he was dying on the cross. He loved us while we were still in our sin, while we were running from him, while we were spitting in his face. The love of God is something that is so unique and profound in the world. And unless we go upward, we can't connect to that great love. So yes, are there things that we do to draw near to God? Yes, there are things we do. But it's, it's, it's so essential to connect with God because you can't actually do life unless you do. You know, you can't do it the way that he intended. Uh, and so it's almost like you, you think about, well, I could, I could pray or I could be part of this small group or be a part of this outreach or I could do a million other things. But the million other things are not going to get you a fraction of what you need because God is the one we're connecting to. It's a unique and great love. So that's, that's kind of the upward piece. Likewise, you know, inwardly, when we let the love of God transform us inwardly, uh, it is, it's, it's in a way growing to love ourselves properly. Now, we've all been around people that love themselves, right? We call it, you know, they're, they're vain in a way. They just love to hear the sound of their own voice or whatever. Um, the me monster. Yeah, the me monster. Um, we, we talk about self-love a lot, but self-love has gotten... Uh, when, when you love yourself the way that God intended, you're actually taking the love that you receive from God when you go upward and applying that to yourself. And you're saying, it's not about my gifting, my talent, who I am, what I've done, how stupendous I am. The inward part is letting that unique love of God that we can only get from connecting with him uh, become in, rooted in our, our, our identity. So that when we look at ourselves, we've, we we don't evaluate ourselves anymore based on our, how religious we are or how well we're doing in a certain key area of our life or, you know, how many stars we have on our personal chart. We evaluate ourselves based on the love that God has freely given through Christ. That while we are still in our sin, on our very worst day, we are loved by God as much as we are on our very best day. Think about that. The next time you have a terrible day, and you're doing poorly and making terrible decisions, that God's love is just as strong in those moments as it is in the moments when you feel like you're doing amazing. And a lot of times, after a little while of doing amazing, you fall because you, you got so caught up in how amazing you were doing anyway. But um, real self-love is taking the love that God declares about us uh, in the scriptures and as he applies it into our heart by the Holy Spirit and having that be the thing that defines us. That's the inward. That's the transformation. And, and, and hear this, then we go outward. We've taken this unique love that we can only get from God. 
we've let that love define who we are in all of our uniqueness, all of our own gifts, strengths, and abilities. His, his, God's, God's very love shining through us. His gracious, kind love. And then we are going outward and serving the world. And people can experience that love too through us. People that aren't even seeking God. We're pipes, not buckets. And the pipes are running off on the people around us. It's just such a, such a beautiful thing. And it's, and it's so simple, but it's very hard to take, it can be very hard to take hold of uh, when, when you lose sight of it. But Jesus said it. The most important, what sums up all of the 613 plus laws in the Bible, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And what love are you loving your neighbor with? The love of God. Because you love yourself through the love of the Father. You know, that's an amazing thought. So those are the things God's really put on my heart here. Um, loving, points, uh, loving God points us upward. The love that he has given us in Christ um, takes us inward. And we really believe his love, his forgiveness, his grace. And then we go out as a people that have experienced this amazing, limitless love. And we share that with the world as we reach out to them. Everybody we meet. Amen. Just before we pray, I feel like I need to tell you that you stink. You mm -hmm. smell. <laughs> like people who have eaten too much garlic or a smoker, what is going on in you leaks out of you. You smell. You stink. But when you are filled with goodness and the love and grace of God, it comes out of your pores and rubs off on anybody you come across in a week. The scripture says some people think that smells like life, and to others it smells like death. But don't be under the impression that you smell good, you stink. Which is why it's important to let the love of God do what only the love of God can do in you, because it will come out. What's going on in you will come out of you. So just be aware of it. Don't be under the impression like a smoker that no one notices. We notice. <laughs> We notice, and that's fine, but for this analogy, let the love of God do its full work in you, because what's inside will come outside. Mm -hmm. Can I pray? Yes, please. God, who is beyond us, beyond our comprehension, anything we can understand or explain, we ask you, gather us like chicks under your wings. We are all in your family. Jesus, we ask that you do a work in us that we cannot do on ourselves. We need to be filled with your love and grace. Sometimes we can't even forgive ourselves. Bring your forgiveness into our lives and let it do its work. Make us people of, of character and integrity who aren't fractioned up and compartmentalized, but who live all life in one direction. And then we ask, Holy Spirit, that you come and make your people one so that the world can know how amazing God's grace is. We ask you to give us gifts, passions, wisdom, direction, courage, and grace, compassion for each other so that in ever-increasing rings of influence, 
the message of your great love would go out into the world. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that you would know the love and grace of God in your deepest core of who you are. You would draw near to the Father, that his love would define you, and then he would share you with the world, which needs to know his love. You are his gift to the world in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dispersed to go and be the church.